Good morning, my name is Swadik Mayanja. You guys can call me Q, and yes, I am indeed a male nurse. And on this podcast, I will be bringing you news, current events, research, fun topics for nurses everywhere. Let's get to it. So let's start this off with the first story of the day. And for the first story of the day, we are starting off in the happiest place on Earth. Um, Actually, the second happiest place on Earth. Disney World is the happiest place on Earth. Today, we will start off at Disneyland in Southern California, Anaheim. Um, so, for, at Disneyland, so what happened at Disneyland? So, at Disneyland in Southern California, there was been a mini outbreak of Le- Legionnaire's disease. And because of this outbreak, they had to close two cooling towers at the park. If you don't know what Legionnaire's disease is, the reason they had to close those two cooling towers is because Legionnaire's disease is one of them diseases that are spread through the air. It's an airborne disease. Legionnaire's disease doesn't spread from person to person. And for those who are at highest risk are adults over the age of 50 and people with weak immune systems, lung disease or heavy tobacco use are at most um, at highest risk um, so if you have been to Disneyland if you have been to Anaheim um, this, right now there's only been um, 12 people that have been affected that have that have been tested and have Legionnaire's disease right um, so nine of those 12 people were actually at Disneyland when it happened this um, throughout this past year and three of them were actually just in Anaheim so it's widespread it's an airborne disease if you're just around the area you might be infected but do not freak out it's not the craziest thing in the world because many many people actually the majority of people that are exposed to the bacteria do not show any symptoms um, but those who do the symptoms you want to be looking out for are um, uh, experience you might experience a cough, fever, chills, shortness of breath, muscle aches, headaches, and or diarrhea. And if you are feeling these symptoms, if you think you, if you have been to Disneyland, if you were in Anaheim and you're already about to, you know, stop listening to me and freak the hell out, don't pause, 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 because this disease can be treated and treated very well uh, 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 and effectively by a, a very, very well-known antibiotics, one um, both of which are widely used everywhere, azithromycin and Cipro. So, number one, if you do have any of these symptoms, if you've been to uh, Disneyland or and Anaheim, make sure you get tested to make sure that you're not going to you know, prescribe yourself some antibiotics just so you can get some C. diff or some craziness. But, if you have, um, if you feel those symptoms, go get checked out. Once you do get checked out, just understand that this disease can be treated. Um, make sure when you go, just public service announcement, once you go to these theme parks, make sure, make sure, make sure, very important, wash your hands. I understand that Legionnaires is just airborne and you can't, it's very hard to protect yourself from this disease outside of wearing a mask and, you know, you just don't want to do that. But um, you, you are much, much higher likely to get to any other kind of disease um, via contact. So wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. Try to be cognizant and when you're with your kids, make sure they're um, washing their hands as often as possible. Um, let me know in the questions, uh, 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 in the call-ins, if you have any questions, what you think, have you been to Disneyland, what's the situation? Thank you again. Moving on to a much cuter, lovely, adorable story. And this is a way that I speak to nurses because I am a nurse just like you there listening. Um, and we help and we give back to this country, to the people, to the communities that we live in. And it, every single day when you step into um, your work, your unit, wherever you work, you give back, you give back, you give back. But this is a way for you to give back in a much, in a way outside of your job. And it is for the American Heart Association. And they're calling to all you knitters out there, all you people who can crochet 
cliche out there. Are you enthusiasts? This is where you can help out. So the organization is looking for volunteers to knit or crochet infant-sized hats excuse me, to support the third annual Little Hats Big Hearts program. And I love that that that, that title, Little Hats Big Hearts. Um, what this program is all about is they try to provide handmade red hats to babies born in participating hospitals throughout the country. In February for American Heart Month, the program aims to um, raise awareness about heart health and congenital heart defects. All of these hats that are donated. So if you are a, a crochet enthusiast or if you are a knitter and if you do want to do this, make sure that you follow these specific um, regulations when it comes to the hats that you are going to make. Number one, you make sure that they're made out of cotton and or acrylic yarns. And if they are made out of acrylic yarns, make sure that they medium to heavy weight. I don't know what this means. I've never crocheted or knitted in my life, but I'm just telling you what I know. Make sure that the yarn is medium to heavy weight. And then last but not least, but also most probably most important, make sure that the yarn should be machine washable and dryable. Okay, because when you give these things to babies, you must know that these things need to be washed every single day as often as possible because they're are so 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 um uh, the immune system isn't built yet so if you're not washing it constantly they might get sick so let's make sure that when we donate these hats we do it the right way with the right material so we can wash them and they can use them for a long period of time um and for those people out there like me who do not know how to note who do not know how to crochet don't feel left out because you can just donate yarn so go out to the store buy some yarn go to your um just google american heart association little hats big hearts and find out where you should send it in your community your area i absolutely love this if you just go online and just look at some of these beautiful gorgeous adorable babies with their little red hats on it'll just make your heart melt so check it out donate 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 and uh, out there for you nurses l let me know um question for you guys for this specific story how else do you give outside of your daily work i would love to know that because that's something i always strive to do is to help out outside of my job because i feel like being a nurse in general is like an easy i've given back to my community what can i do now to um do more what can i do more so let me know what you guys do uh, and thank you again for listening just a quick break to um, really selfishly and shamelessly self-promote myself. So if you want to see the video version of my entire podcast uh, once a week, every week, go to my YouTube channel. I'm going to put the name of my YouTube channel and the link in the um, title. And I also would love it if I can get, I'm at 700 and something followers on Instagram. So I would love it if you can follow me on Instagram um, where I put um, some just pictures and mini clips of my um, uh, stories on my podcast of so the exciting stuff that I do is on my Instagram. So Instagram and YouTube, mainly, mainly, mainly my YouTube because you can get so much content, so much more content, much more thorough. I only get two to three minutes here on um, Anchor. So follow me on Instagram. Follow me at, uh, at YouTube. Both are at Swartik Mayansha. Um, I'm going to spell that out. But remember, the link is in the title and in the description of this um, podcast. So um, Swartik, at Swartik, S-W-A-R-D-I-Q-M-A-Y-A-N-J-A. Follow me, follow me, follow me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Love you guys. So back to work. Um, so for the third story of the day, I want to talk about a super brave young lady who is standing up to power. I'm talking, this is resistance um, personified. I absolutely love this young lady. So a 12-year-old girl in Colorado is suing the Attorney General Jeff Sessions, the Attorney General of the United States of the goddamn Americas, 
is being sued by a 12 year old girl and it's an absolutely amazing reason so she the lawsuit claims uh, that um, there is an unconstitutional federal prohibition on medical marijuana um, so she is on the weed and she's 12 but understand medically so she has an actual reason to use it but let me give you some context before I go off on this entire tangent so Alexis Bortel that's the 12 year old girl's young na name um, she uses a strain of cannabis oil called Haley's Hope. I love that name. Just side note, I know I just said I'm going to give you the full context, but side note, Haley's Hope is literally the craziest, greatest name for weed. If I were to go to a corner and tell someone I got some crush named Haley's Hope, I mean, I'd be selling that shit hand over fist. That shit sounds pristine. Moving on, moving on. So with um, the lawsuit, um, she hopes that the lawsuit will at least normalize medical marijuana. Her best hope, she said, is to legalize it nationwide. So if you don't know what's going on with marijuana right now, let me just give you some a brief history of what is going on. Real brief, real brief. Marijuana is currently classified as a Schedule 1 drug. If you don't know what that means, that means it is classified in the same grouping as heroin, and it's considered more dangerous than substances, more, hear me out, see, consider it more dangerous than substances like cocaine, methamphetamine, and fentanyl. This I called, cue, um, cue the nurse, I'm usually talking to most nurses out there, and you know, nurses, healthcare providers, you know, cocaine, methamphetamine, and fentanyl are absolutely insane to be in the same sentence, same category, same classification as weed, but it is not. It is considered a classification lower when it comes to harm which is and I said just healthcare providers but with the opioid epidemic that's happening in our country most of you know exactly what I'm talking about cocaine methamphetamine fentanyl these are some deadly deadly drugs weed itself there has never been a single case of an overdose of weed I cannot believe that this is still the country we live in moving forward Bortel, Alexis Bortel and her family moved to Colorado to be able to legally obtain cannabis oil to treat the epilepsy. So you might have said in earlier, you might if you knew knew what's going on with marijuana, you might have said, Oh, Q, um, she lives in Colorado, it should be legal. Nope, that's the end of the story. Not the beginning. The beginning is they started, they lived in Texas. So in Texas, they were not able to get the weed. Um, but what happened in Texas? Doctors in her home state of Texas had discussed the possibility of her receiving a brain surgery. So these are the options. And you ask yourself this question. If you had to choose between brain surgery and or smoke some kush to get those, those, those seizures from happening, which would you choose? Like, is that even a question? Is that even a question? This lady, she is the bravest lady of them all. I mean, she's 12 years old, and obviously her parents are helping her. There's lawyers and everything. But, but, for her to be the face of this lawsuit against um, the Attorney General Jeff Sessions, I think, is beyond brave. It, 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 good for her. She's standing up for herself and for the rights of millions. Millions. Okay, number one, I'm in the camp that thinks that marijuana will be legalized nationwide, recreationally. Sooner or later, it's going to happen. It's just, it's the will of the people. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. But for her to have stood up at this time right now to fight for her rights, saying that this is useful, I believe in her. Congratulations. All right, thank you guys. 
So back at it, right back into it. Um, so this is not so much of a story. This is much more as some advice. Um, mind you, mind you, mind you, you know, cherry, caveat, whatever you need to know. I've only been a nurse for a year. This is not, not entirely entirely advice as me speaking to you this is me speaking with you so this i really really do ex- want to hear some um feedback from you guys via the call in anyways anyways the advice i'm trying to give this advice i'm trying to share um the advice i would love to receive is the um, some advice for new nurses nurses that are new going to a new job and definitely for brand spanking new nurses um i just went on nurses.org i'm actually stealing these five tips from kathleen coldeval um please go check her out she has 10 tips on her blog that she has for nurses going into orientation specifically for brand new nurses but i have only been a nurse for a year i still consider myself new but here are the five tips and i think they're they're these are the five that I cherry picked from her 10. And I think these are super insightful, right? Um, these are going to get you from just going through orientation and making it to going through orientation and feeling successful, feeling like it was effective and it was efficient. So here we go. So jumping in into these five tips, number one, nursing school teaches you nothing. Of course it teaches you something, but understand something. If you're a brand new nurse, especially if you're a brand new nurse, coming into your first nursing job, understand just go in there knowing, just, you, you know nothing. You know absolutely nothing. You know a lot, but you don't know anything. Um, just it's a general fact that all nurses know that you learn that you you will express it yourself once you get into the game. Um, I like I said, I've only been in here for a year. I've only been a nurse for a year, but just in that one year, I already know that ninety percent of the things I do on a daily basis is not stuff that I was taught in school. It's a whole lot of practice makes perfect type of situation when it comes to nursing. That's number one. Number two, always ask questions, and this I mean to the core of who I am, and I am actually fairly well at this. Maybe I ask too many questions, but I never have had an incident where I've been told you've been asking way too many questions. Always, always, always ask. It doesn't matter. Ask, why are you doing this? Ask, where where are you supposed to do this? Ask, why are you doing this differently than the nurse I saw yesterday? Always ask, 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 ask. Uh, As an orientation, just like going back to number one, during orientation, they expect you to know nothing. This is the time they want you to ask as many goddamn questions as you want, right? Once you're done orientation, of course you can still ask questions, but understand after your orientation, people expect a certain level of you know effectiveness and proficiency. So during your orientation, take advantage of that, you know, take advantage of that stage. Ask as many questions as you goddamn have to to feel comfortable, successful, ready. Take notes, though. Don't ask the same question a million times. But if you have to do it, but, 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 try to be smart about it. Number three, moving forward, observation. And this one I love. Thank you, Kathleen. I love this one because it doesn't matter how many times you read something in the book. I know you're going to say, oh, I don't know. I've seen all my skills on YouTube. It does not matter how many times you see it on YouTube, how many times you read it in your clinical book. And the second you're in there in a real situation, it doesn't. if you read the entire chapter on wound vax, if you watched wound vax, a million videos on YouTube, the minute you get in there, that vacuum comes off and you get that odor in your nose and your eyes start to water and you get that shiver down your spine. Then is when you will know if you can get the action done of changing a wound vac, right? Uh, there's a million skills. That's just one example. But seeing and being there in person is 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 a learning 
type of learning that you just can't get anywhere else outside of the situation, okay? So observe as much as you possibly can. If your preceptor is doing something that you've seen a million and one times and you feel comfortable doing, but you know the nurse next to her is doing a procedure, is giving a med or doing something that you've never seen that you feel like you want to see, Please, please, please go observe her. Ask your preceptor. 98% of the time, your preceptor will be like, I do not mind. In fact, I want you to go. So observe, observe, observe. Number four, you do not have to do everything on your own. This is important. This is something I struggle with to this day. It is increasingly, it gets harder and harder for me to do this. Um, so this is huge on um, delegation. This is what I mean. So when you are a nurse, especially when you uh, right off of orientation, right, it's going to be you. There's going to be an LPN next to you, a PCA, a nursing aide, uh, you know, someone just everyone that you need to delegate things to is going to be surrounding you, right? And there's going to be a hundred things that needs to get done. And you need to, first of all, prioritize everything. And once you have things prioritized, then you're going to have to make that decision on who's doing what, when. This doesn't sound hard in in the textbook. When you're reading it, it's obvious. The PCA is going to do this. The LPN is going to do this. The new nurse from a different unit is going to do this. But but in person, it is, incre- it is the hardest thing possible. Mind you, I'm 23. I'm a brand new spanking new nurse. I come on to your unit, basically a baby, and I'm talking to a PCA that's been there for 4, 5, 10, 15, 30 years, right? I'm talking to an LPN that has been doing the job for, for 15, 20 years, right? I'm talking to a new nurse, for, not a new nurse, a nurse from a different unit that has not been comfortable on our unit. I'm talking to them that's been there for 10, 15 years, right? And I'm supposed to delegate to them it's super intimidating, it's super hard, and it's something that you just have to get used to via practice. That's, that's the only thing I can say. It is very difficult, even for me, um, question out there, how do you guys deal with those situations? And then number five is do not be a doormat. I have never, I was lucky enough to have the best preceptor in all of the world that never put me in uncomfortable positions, always let me ask as many questions as I felt I had to, but... But, but, I know hundreds and thousands of nurses who tell me every single day um, they were new and their preceptor, the nurses out there were trying to get at them. So, so if you are one of those nurses that doesn't have the greatest preceptor in the world, just understand that you need to learn how and when to say no. It is very important to say no to a lot of things. And this comes with part of the prioritization. Once you are able to prioritize things, you'll understand when and where you should be saying no. But also, 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 even if you are free, even if you have some um, downtime, even if you are able to do something for someone but you feel that it's inappropriate, do you feel that the nurses are just... the the older nurses or the nurses that have been there longer are just trying to take advantage of you because you are new. You need to learn how to put your foot down and then go and talk to your superiors um, if needed. Um, this is not part of the five tips that I found from Kathleen's blog, but I wanted to add this because I do feel like I have been blessed and I am super lucky. Um, I'm going to just shout her out. If you do know Katie Piccolo, give her a hug, a kiss, the, the biggest thank you in all of the world. But um, I was lucky enough to have the greatest precept in on the planet and I believe it to the day I will take this to my grave just the greatest preceptor in the world right um, I was able to share with her and open up to her and just be myself literally myself and not bullshit but literally myself with her if you don't have that in your preceptor find someone on the unit find someone in the building find someone that you could goddamn talk to that is in the facility that you can express and not vent but just express your concerns your your, your questions that you feel embarrassed to ask all of these things you need that support you need 
one human being that you can go to, right? Even if it's someone else that's part of your orientation that you've been comfortable talking to, you just need that other human being there. You need a work friend. Hopefully they become a real friend. My preceptor is my real friend today and I'm glad to say it and I'd never have it in any way, uh, any way else. So yes, find that friend. So those are the five tips. Number one, make sure, come into um, work, the orientation, understanding that nursing school has taught you jack shit. Number two, ask, ask away, ask, 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 and then ask some more, ask as many questions as you goddamn can. Number three, observe. Anytime there's an opportunity for you to learn with your eyes, with your nose, with your, your with the touching, observe, 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 do that. Number four, you don't know, you don't need to say yes to everything. Sorry about that. I think I just pulled out my headphones. So number four, you don't need to say yes to everything. Um, you need to learn how to delegate. Um, and then number five, do not be a doorman for everybody. Um, make sure you put your foot down um, and you go to um, talk to people that you need to talk to when you need that kind of support. All right, you guys. Those are my some the some advice that I have for everyone going through orientation. I'm lucky enough to start a new job in a hospital. Um, if you have any more advice, please let me know. Call in, call in, call in. Remember, I want to have as many conversations with as many human beings as I possibly can. I am a nurse because I love to help, but I'm also a nurse because um. I love hearing what other nurses have to do. Nurses are the funnest, most craziest, coolest human beings ever. If you're not a nurse, if you do something else and you still have some advice for someone going through an orientation, let me know. Call in. Talk to me. Talk to me, guy, gal, whoever's listening. Can't wait. Love it. Bye. Yay! All right. To end my um, first full-length um, nursing news segment, I want to end with what I do every single time I do one of these segments, and that is the nurse of the goddamn week. And this I'm taking back a little bit. It is, I am coming off of, currently it is um, November 12th, 2017, so I'm coming off of um, Veterans Day weekend. And this nurse of the week, um, we're going back to um, the Vietnam, Vietnam War. So, um, a nurse at Stanford University Medical Center, Mary Marion Mullen could have been could have been part of the first ever heart transplant. But what did she do instead of deciding to be part of a historic, an absolute historic a medical treatment procedure? She chose, instead of staying and doing that at Stanford University Medical Center, she chose to spend 18 months um, at a hospital where cases included leprosy and plague were, were apparent. The, there was the plague happening in Vietnam and leprosy. She chose to stay from a nice, cozy, I don't want to say cozy, but her nice job in um, Stanford University, and she decided to go to South Vietnam and serve her country. So the Vancouver woman was one of American civilians who worked in South Vietnam um, through State Department's assistance programs. She worked in, uh, I'm not even going to attempt to say the name, but it is Da Nang, D-A space N-A-N-G, from November 1967 through May 19th, 1969. So Mullen was the chief nurse of the U.S. medical and nursing team in the second largest hospital in South Vietnam. Um, I am super, super anti-war. I hate everything to do with war. Um, in fact, I, I believe we need to be so anti-interventionist. I think the only intervention we should ever do as a government outside of, you know, if we're getting attacked, that's when we go to war. But outside of that, I think the only intervention we should ever do is humanitarian work, 
period, period. And every time we decide to intervene in someone else's democratic, uh, you know, monarchy, whatever the situation is, we should never be intervening in anyone else's business, government, period, right? We should do strictly humanitarian work as a nation. That's where I believe. Even believing that, even disagreeing with 90% of the commander-in-chiefs we've ever had in the history of this um, country, the one thing I agree with them wholeheartedly is, although the war itself might be pointless, or I might feel that it's pointless, although the war might be, I, the way I feel is stupid, the people that are choose to fight for us, the people that choose to risk their lives for us are the bravest souls on the planet. I am so pro-nursing. I think nursing is the most compassionate profession in the world. But there's only one thing, there's only one thing, there's only one profession that I honestly see that is just not only much more compassionate, but, 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 um, is the bravest thing you can possibly do, and that is to serve your country. Um, so Marion Mullins, you are the nurse of the week. You are a superstar. You are absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your service. And thank you out there for every, you, every person serving their country. I don't even want to say just the States. If you live, I don't care if you live in Vietnam, if you live in, um, in the UK, in, uh, in South Africa, in Uganda, it doesn't matter where you live. If you have made the choice to serve your country and risk your life to do that, you are brave. Congratulations and thank you so, so much for what you do for your community, for your people. Fighting and putting your life at risk for what you believe. It, it, there's nothing, nothing you, more someone else can ask for you, from you. Thank you guys um, and have a good night. So this is a super random segment, but I have to just add it. I don't know, like I get super, super excited when I'm talking about Game of Thrones. I came very, very, very late. I mean, as late as you possibly can to come to, to the Game of Thrones party, but I most recently just watched Game of Thrones literally from season one through season seven. It took me three months. I binged the entire thing. Yes, all seven seasons within three months. I did that. Yes, I am too. I am super proud of it. Anyways, um, I was listening to Daily Throne, so shout out to Daily Thrones. I mean, uh, I mean, I absolutely love their anchor, their channel, their podcast. Um, but with that being said, um, the question of the day was um, what the expectation was with the ending of season eight, and I, I, I kind of lost my mind. So listen to me lose myself in something I truly love. It, it's kind of an obsession. It's kind of where I'm able to lose myself and stop being so, you know, like. I, I just love Game of Thrones, okay? It's my escape. It's where I, I'm allowed to lose myself. So this is just a bit of how I feel and my excitement of um, uh, uh, for Game of Thrones. For Game of Thrones. Enjoy. <laughs> just be ready, but enjoy. Brother, I'm with you entirely, 1,000%. Give me the answers. I honestly do not give two shits. Who dies? I mean, they could kill Cersei, John, Danny, the whole goddamn crew if they want to. I don't care if they all go down. Well, of course I care, but, but, what I need more than I need a happy ending, what I need more than I need to see um, John and Danny hold hands in the sunset, I need the answers. We spend too much time, there's so, there's, like, the entire country is behind Game of Thrones. So much energy is behind Game of Thrones. If everyone dies, but we get the answers, so be it. If everyone lives and we get the answers, 
so be it. We need the answers. The happiness, the sadness, that shit, they can decide. But I am deciding right here, right now. We need those answers. Game of Thrones is life, and I can't go to sleep without knowing if Tyrion is riding that goddamn dragon. Woo!